Yeah, thank you. Thank you, worship team. Awesome. That was amazing. Well, um, and thanks, thanks, Lani, for being obedient and um, for that, that powerful testimony. I feel like for many of us, we've been um, blessed by that and touched by it, encouraged. And, um, and I think, um, I don't know, sometimes when you hear these testimonies, it's like, man, does anything else really need to be said? But I have prepared something, so you've got to hang around. And, and, uh, um, but Lani, we just got a... Um, come on up here again. Come on up, come on up, come on up. Yeah. <laughs> we just got a... Uh, it's just a certificate just to remember this special day. I'm sure there's videos and photo footage and all of those things to also remind you. But um, you've been an awesome blessing to us. Thank you. And um, man, keep going in your faith. And um, hang in there. Awesome. Thank you. All right, that's awesome. Welcome, everyone. If um, you are a guest with us, you're probably thinking, these guys are lunatics. There's a Christmas tree on stage. It's July. And, um, or maybe they just take Christmas in July a little too seriously. Um, one of these things is true. You've got to try and guess which one it is. No. <laughs> but but in earnest, maybe just this guy's a lunatic from time to time. But in earnest, we are in week 22 of, um, of a series um, as we go through the story and the story is the resource that we're using as we go through the Bible. And it is effectively just scriptures that are arranged in chronological order. Chronological order? Chronological order that take us through the story. And it's this upper story, that they, this lingo that they use, the upper story of God at work in his people. And so as we come into the New Testament, it, it, that means we've gone through the whole Old Testament already. And so, And I'm kind of relieved because... Ah, man, it's kind of the back end of the Old Testament is, is, is sort of repetitive and, and gets you down. So I'm, but I'm going to try and, and take you through the Old Testament in a nutshell. Here we go. It started off. God, um, God formed the earth and he creates everything, including man, from nothing. And then man rebels shortly after and then sin enters the world and the consequences of this sin is separation from God. God's plan is to raise a nation um, called Israel, and he, and he raises up Abraham as the father of that nation, and it's to be an example. Israel is, is meant to be an example to all of the world of what relationship with Christ could look like. And this amazing demonstration. And it actually goes pretty well for a while at the start. But then Israel rebels. They reject God as their king. And, and we see that Israel's desire to be like every other nation determines their future. And here's a spoiler alert. It's not a, it's not a glorious looking future for Israel. They're eventually, they are eventually conquered and their people are dispersed throughout the region. But throughout it all, the prospect of hope is there. A Messiah who will, as Isaiah puts it, gather together the dispersed of Israel from the four corners of the earth once again. So that's exciting. That's it. That's kind of the Old Testament. I mean, there's other stories in between, obviously. It's a pretty thick book. But, 
I mentioned this idea of the upper story, and we've been, we've been looking at where God is at work in amongst all of the lower stories, the smaller stories in the Bible. In other words, how is God using the events of history, the smaller stories, to draw people close to him, to draw people to him? That's the upper story. You know, personally, I've liked the idea of the upper and lower story concept because I can, I can use the two perspectives to help me trust in what God is doing, particularly when I can't see it. And, um, you know, for many, and me, often the lower stories don't feel like things are going to plan. It's all going out of control. It's all a little out of control. But through the Bible account and God's work through the upper story in the past, we know that he's working even when we can't see it and we can't feel it. And that's really, really reassuring for me. And so this distinction between the upper story and the lower story helps me to shift my perspective a little bit. Okay, in this moment, God, what are you doing? What are, where are you working in this, in this moment in my life? You know, let's pray before we, before we keep going. Lord, we, we bring a whole heap of baggage in on Sundays. Lord, our, our week and, you know, and sometimes the trials and tribulations, as, as Lilani put it, of our life and we bring them to church. But our lower stories aren't insignificant. God, they're not to you. You care about them. In fact, for us, our lower stories, the baggage that we bring, um, yeah, sometimes they're really painful. Maybe they're even life-altering. But this morning, God, help us lift our eyes to what you might be doing in, our up, in the upper story. God, where are you working in our situations? Lord, would you use this powerful moment in history, this Christmas story, to help us in our walk with you. Amen. Okay. Week 22 of the story. And if you are joining us for the first time, you, you have come at a great time because it's our first week of the New Testament and, we, and it's titled The Birth of the King. So, Merry Christmas Hills. And if you look under your seat, there's a gift for every one of you. I'm just joking. Some people did. You kids did. If you grab the handbag of the lady behind you, put it back. It's not yours. Um, that's just before we start, there's a lot that's happened in the region. In the 400 years between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the birth of Jesus. For starters, there's a guy who's come out of Greece, his name is Alexander the Great, and he went on a tear to conquer most of that region from Egypt all the way to Asia. And in 13 short years, he amassed the largest empire that entire region had ever seen. And it's his Greek influence that meant his language was widely used in the area. And within decades of Alexander's conquest, the first ever Old Testament translation was complete. And it was a Greek translation of the Hebrew text, and it's called the Septuagint. This is why the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. 
It's the Septuagint that most young Jewish scholars would be familiar with. And I share this because I'm going to give you a test later on. No, I'm really I'm joking. There'll be no test. But I share this because chapter 22 doesn't start with Matthew chapter 1. So the start of the New Testament of the story isn't Matthew 1 like the, like the New Testament begins. It actually starts in John chapter 1 with these words in the beginning. And they're familiar, right? They're the second most... This in, in the beginning is the second most famous in the beginning in the Bible. You know, after, of course, Genesis chapter 1. And John begins his gospel account here deliberately using these exact same words. The same two Greek words in the Sept that the Septuagint begins Genesis are the same two Greek words that begin John 1. It's the same reason our English translation begins the same way. Because the intention of the gospel is to place Jesus Christ right at the start of all scripture. When we read John 1, we are supposed to think back to Genesis 1. Before the story even began, because the gospel writers throughout all of it are concerned with deepening our theological understanding of Jesus Christ. Yeah, particularly in John 1. And we'll read from John 1, verses 1 to 5. These are the first, uh, this is the start of the, uh, of the story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I remember, um, I remember hearing that for the first time as a kid, and I was like, what? I didn't, even, I didn't understand it. But here's the important thing to know about the word, and it comes in um, John, that same chapter in verse 14, where it says, the word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here, the word is very clearly Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was God. Sorry, Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. And this might be a jaw drop moment for some of us, but this is Christian doctrine, straight out of the Bible. I want to share something that came up on my news feed. I hope the pictures made it to the, um, made it to the screen. We'll see. Oh, they did. Cool. You might have seen this too, but on Christmas Day last year, NASA launched this telescope in the outer space. It's called the James Webb Space Telescope, and for eight months, it's been cruising out in the universe, and right now it's around one and a half million kilometres away. Last week, NASA released five images that have come back from this telescope deep into space. And you can't see these pictures without just marvelling at the creativity of our awesome God. You can't see, his you can't see these things without seeing his glory. 
And it makes me think back to Genesis 1, as God spoke the universe into motion, into existence. The beauty of the beginning of John's gospel is that we find out that Christ was there. He's right there. And all that we, and all that we see, you know, we're seeing it for the first time. He created it all right before the story even began. I love that. The reason why I love starting our New Testament journey here is that God, uh, sorry, John dispenses any kind of subtlety that might leave us questioning, who's this man? Because right at the start of the very first word, words, he reveals the identity who became flesh and dwelt among us, that Jesus Christ was God and was, was with God and was God, and the one that laid down his life for us all created the, also created the universe. As Paul says, In 2 Timothy, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So that's a really long intro. And this is not your typical Christmas story. (laughs) Um, But it's worthwhile dwelling on that point because... Although the title of the chapter is The Birth of the King, don't think of Christmas as Jesus' origin story. When scripture references Jesus being there before the beginning of the time, it's meant to communicate that before anything else was, he was. He did not come into being at Christmas, he just was. Jesus always was is and always will be working for us. And we've just done a 21-week journey through the Old Testament. And over these last couple of months, like we were saying before, it's been a pretty, it can be a pretty depressing read at some times, at some time. God's people need saving and they're trying to do it themselves. And we find out time and time again that they just can't. And then finally, this plan is revealed to the world. And in light of what we've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about, it's not a reactive plan. As though God's sitting on his throne one day and he goes, man, these guys are a mess. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to come down. I'm going to spend 33 years out there, show them how it's done, conquer the grave, head home, sweet as. It was his plan the whole way. In chapter 1, when sin entered the world, Jesus was the plan. In chapter 8, through the ups and downs of Israel's many judges, Jesus was the plan. In chapter 14, when the nation of Israel was torn in two, Jesus was the plan all along. He was orchestrating in the upper story from the beginning. And so now, as God comes down and Jesus Christ is born, the upper story merges with the lower story for a while. At a few points in time over the last few months in this series, I've thought about what it might be like in the shoes of some of these lower story characters. You know, we've read about guys like Joseph who sold into slavery, spending years in an Egyptian prison, wrongfully convicted. Or Moses, who spent 40 years in the wilderness... Or Jacob, in exile after the promise of his own incredible blessing. How would I respond in these same situations? 
Because knowing what we know, that the plan for Jesus Christ was in play throughout all of it, we also know that he is working for the good of those who love him, even, even these men. So maybe our response should be, Jesus, where are you working in my situation? Lord, right now, as I am directionless at work, as my relationship is breaking down, or honestly, I can't see past the next week or even the next day. Lord Jesus, help me to stop and focus on where you are working in my situation right now. So let's think about it for a moment, church. As you bring your baggage into this auditorium today, what is it that is consuming your thoughts? And then ask him, Lord Jesus, where are you at work in that situation right now? I love the story of the wise men or the Magi. And shortly after Jesus' birth, they traveled from the east to Jerusalem in search of the Messiah. And they were wise enough to know that when Herod found out about Jesus, he was out to kill him. He was threatened. And so they protected Jesus from that threat. But here's the thing about the wise men. I think their journey was pretty easy. The star appeared. They got on their camel and they followed it and they found him. And it's pretty straightforward. But they still had to do something. They still had to get on the camel, follow the star and head out that way. We know that Christ has always been working for us. But in those trialing situations, how many of us are waiting for him to come to us? Kind of like we're staying in the east, making no effort to follow the star and seek him. If right now you are seeking a strong presence from the Lord, my next point is just to make like the Magi and seek him. Get on your camel. You know? <laughs> what I mean by this is we actually have to do something in order to seek his presence. Matthew 28 verse 20 tells us that, you know, he's with us always to the end of the age and that, and that is his covenant commitment to us. And that's true. But there is a sense in which God's presence is not with us. This is why the Bible repeatedly calls us to look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. You know, let's face it, God's trusted presence is not always our constant experience. Has anyone felt that? Maybe we hopped off the camel for a while and rested somewhere between, you know, between our journey. So practically, how do we do some Magi-like seeking? Um, and I think Chronicles, there's a couple of passages in the Bible that, that lead us to it. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 19, it says, Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Or Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, 
Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. This idea of setting the mind to something is the exact opposite of just uh, mentally coasting. It is consciously choosing to direct the heart and mind towards God. And so I've got three ways we can seek Jesus or ride camels like the Magi. Firstly, and they're simple. You know, we're talking about the Magi simply having to follow a star. These things are simple too, I think. Firstly, through regular prayer and alone time with Jesus. Prayer. Secondly, through the revelation of his word, the Bible. Read the Bible. That's number two. And three, it's in the evidence of grace with others. That's fellowship with other believers or mentors. Prayer, the Bible in his word, and fellowship with other believers. These are obvious and very simple concepts. And I think it's actually the second time in four sermons that I've, you know, that I've mentioned them. But the Magi only needed to follow the star. And it is, can be that simple. But just as it was for the wise men, there are going to be obstacles. For the wise men, it was Herod attempting to derail their plan. But for us, it can be spiritually dulling activity. And, and a lot of us know what these are. It's the bad habits that we let creep into our lives that we just simply need to cut out. These are the things that are blocking our way to seeking his face. So what are you doing instead of prayer at the moment? Reprioritize. If you are spending time doing anything else and not having a chance to read your Bible, reprioritize, read the word, and then do anything else. Those of you who feel guilt-ridden just even sitting in church this morning, Jesus is working for you. He has not condemned you, and you are right where you need to be in the fellowship with other believers who are all falling short as well. So, so far we've looked at the constant presence of Jesus before coming to earth. We've looked at other characters of the Christmas story, you know, the wise men. The third takeaway from the Christmas story in July comes through the faithfulness and obedience of Mary. In that amazing encounter with the angel of the Lord in Luke chapter 1, verses 35 to 38, it says, imagine this coming to you. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Here it is. Mary answers... I am the Lord's servant. 
may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. It's interesting to compare Mary's response here to someone like uh, Moses, for example. He was frightened and he resisted the call that God had for him at first. Or Gideon. You know, we discovered some weeks ago that his faith was weak and he needed proof a number of times before following God's call. Jonah turned and ran, turned and ran, rather than respond to the call before he was abruptly turned around by a fish. I always thought that was funny. (laughs) Mary was a model of courageous faith when she was called at just 16. Listen to this response. May your word to me be fulfilled. There's no second guessing, no need for proof, no turning away. Mary can only imagine what's in store for her. A young girl around 16 years of age, pregnant, out of wedlock. She was engaged to Joseph and to have sexual relations with anyone else during engagement was considered adultery and carried a death sentence. Imagine the fear that she must have felt as she contemplated what was to come. And yet, and yet, she knew that she was willing to go where God directed with no complaints, certainly none that we read about. How many of us wish that we'd responded to God with this kind of courageous faith, but instead instead succumbed to fear and let that be our driver? Mary's, Mary's example was to follow in faith, even in fear, to have faith, even in fear. 14 months ago-ish, I started my um, first day as a pastor. And um, it was a pretty exciting day for me, except inside, I was packing it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, one of the top questions you get asked when you become a pastor is, um, how did you become a pastor? And, um, or something to that effect. And I was trying to think back if I'd shared my call to vocational ministry to, to Hills before, and I might have done it, a short sort of version of it, but, um, you know, it's testimony day, and so why not um, go a little bit more in depth? And to be honest, it's not really a story that I'm very proud of. Um, the point I made earlier to seek Jesus like the Magi, I briefly mentioned the importance of fellowship with other believers or mentors, and, um, and I suppose that's how it started, because sometimes it's these other believers or mentors that see something in you that you could never see yourself. This is the beauty of the fellowship. And so around five years ago, I was asked if I'd consider leaving my comfy IT job um, for a life in pastoral ministry. And I didn't, I didn't even have to pray about it. <laughs> it's like, there's no way. <laughs> It was a flat-out no. I've got four kids, generally not keen on disrupting a good thing. And so I was not willing to entertain that. And so fast-forward some years and, you know, work's going all right. The company I work for is promoting me. And it turns out I'm pretty good at the IT management thing. My team's making some stuff and we're innovating with, with cool new technologies and we're making a lot of money. 
And as I go, this growing internal tension that I'm feeling is, is just building. And Robin's laughing because she's probably felt it too. This is, um, this is a confirmation of calling I found out later on. <laughs> what is it that I'm doing right now that is actually benefiting the kingdom of God? And particularly when it has the cost that it has on my own life and the, and the cost that it's having on my family's life. So as I actually seek God like a wise man, I go to prayer, I'm talking to people, I'm getting this overwhelming sense that he's calling me to pastoral ministry. And my mind goes into overdrive, trying to think about how I can make this work. How, how can I make this work financially, really, I suppose, was if I'm honest. And here's the problem. I let fear dictate my actions. And as much as I try, I can't find a way to balance my life with the idea or the prospect of what life might look like in pastoral ministry. And so what do I do? I start to manipulate God's call on my life. I found a job working in a Christian school in the field of IT, which meant I'm doing what God wanted me to do. And all my needs are sort of met. It's a win-win. And um, look, I'm going to share a quick caveat before I continue in this story. I loved the job I had at that school. Um, the place was awesome. I had great people to work with every day. Many of them that are here. And, but throughout it all, I just remained, there remained this sense that as good as it was, I was out of place. I remember that Jesus remember that Jesus is always working for us. And even if I had created a fork maybe in a road which he hadn't intended for me, here's how God worked in that situation. My boss becomes a mentor. I land in a community who encourages me in my faith, and my environment is one where my pastoral care skills can be honed such as his grace. But still in it all, there is this growing sense that I'm not where I'm meant to be. And look, obviously you know how it turns out because I'm standing here today. But here's a confession. In responding to God's call, there have been very few moments where Julie or I have felt at all comfortable Maybe that comes after two years of being a pastor. <laughs> yep. No. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. No. Um, you know, at some point, we just had to choose to do it afraid. To follow God, even if we have no idea how it's going to work out. I don't want this to seem like a unique point, because... You know, not everyone is called to vocational full-time ministry. But if you seek Jesus Christ like a wise man, like the Magi, then at some point you will get a sense of a calling on your life. 
Perhaps it's a leader in your field of expertise. Perhaps it's in business leadership, aligning business principles to biblical principles, no matter what the cost is. Maybe it's a call to education, adding a Christ-centered love into curriculum. Or even as a student in school, making a bold commitment to stand for Christ, no matter the cost. I don't want these past 14 months to sound as though in any way I'm lamenting the call, because actually it's exactly the opposite. This has been the ride of my life. And at no point since responding to his call has my family been left without provision, and I could talk to you for a long time about the dozens <laughs> and dozens of times that he has blessed my family, and it's just blowing my mind. So my challenge is this this morning. God wants much more for you than you could know. This Christian walk isn't meant to be a dull or a mediocre one. And if you're walking in this morning feeling that way, seek him harder. It is full of blessing. And as God calls, do not let fear rob you of what Jesus Christ is going to do in your life. Well, that's an odd Christmas message. <laughs> but I don't even think we really talked about the birth of Jesus Christ and all of that. But um, Christmas is only a few months away. And so we'll get another shot at it. And um, I, was, I was stirred this week by the response of those Jesus came to at Christmas. Just as the wise men were seeking him to worship and honour him, so too should we actively seek him. And as we do, expect to hear from him. And then as we hear from him, just as Mary responded, may his words to us be fulfilled, even if we're fearful. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. Once again, this living word. God, for your example, your example, Lord, through your son, Jesus Christ, who simply, I love this quote, about the Old Testament being a chamber richly furnished but dimly lit, but the introduction of light of Jesus Christ's example, it brought into it nothing which was not in there before, but it brings into a clearer view much of what is in it, but was only dimly lit before. God, thank you for revealing your perspective throughout the Old Testament. Father, thank you for your example. Father, your example of love and faithfulness. God, throughout these stories, Lord, this adds fresh light for us. Would it just continue to speak to us? God, if we are challenged to answer your call, Father, if we are challenged to go deeper with you and seek you more, God, would you be with, that, be with us in that? Would you help us to find community and fellowship that encourage us in, those, in that journey? And God, when we are fearful, God, help us to know that that's okay. And that we should just continue to step into 
what it is that you're calling us regardless. Do not let fear rob us of that. And Father, that's a bold prayer and maybe a scary one. And so we're going to need your help. So be with us, Lord Jesus. Amen.